I want to welcome you to the Alan Smith Sunday School class at Liberty Baptist Church in Chelsea, Alabama. Kathy and I want you to know how much we miss our regular Sunday School class, and we hope each of you have been contacted by your life group leaders this week. We know that social distancing has worked to lower the risk of getting the COVID-19 virus, but we also know that each of us has needs and we all want prayers. If you have a prayer request, please get in touch with us, and I promise Kathy and I will pray for you. We hear from our, we hear from our leaders that we might be able to re return to church soon, and that's something we can all pray about. Please get your Bibles, and let's get ready to study God's Word. But first, let's open with prayer. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank you for this day, and Lord, what a blessing it has been, Lord, to see your sunshine today. Lord, we know that the sunshine, that your sun shines on us all the time. And Lord, we're thankful that you gave your sun for us. Lord, today as we go about our daily activities, listening to the things that are going on in the world, Lord, we can only find our hope in you. And Lord, I thank you that you not only sent your son, but you also, as we'll learn today, Lord, you sent your Holy Spirit, Lord, to talk to us and to reveal to us. So Lord, help us today to slow down. Help us today to feel your presence. And Lord, help us today to know that you're with us at all times. Lord, strengthen our hearts as we're in this uh, isolation time, social distancing time. And Lord, just help us to glorify you with what we say, what we do, how we act, and where we go. And Lord, I thank you that um, some of us, Lord, still have a job. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I just thank you that you, Lord, you continue to watch over us and you continue to bless us. Lord, be with us now as we open your word, God's word, and Lord, that we study your word to show ourselves approved. Lord, help us to glorify you through it, and that we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This week, we're going to be studying in chapter 8 of Romans. We'll discuss our eternal future, our eternal inheritance, and how creation will be restored, and how humanity is restored. But first, Let's look at how we're going to get there. Question for you. Have you ever made plans and the plans didn't turn out like you thought they would? You know what I'm talking about. Something drastic comes along and changes your life completely. Just like today. We see that things are happening in our society today with people social distancing that we never thought our government or anything like this would be shut down for as long as it has. And then we find out sometimes that God changes our plans so that we stop living in the flesh and we slow down and we put our minds back on God. Paul states in chapter 7 of Romans, verses 15 and following, I want you to think about what he says here. For, for what I'm doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, I don't. And what I hate, that I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But the evil in me, that I do. I am a wretched man. Who will deliver me from this body of death? We live in a sin-filled earth. Sin is all around us and decay is everywhere, including in our mortal bodies. But thanks be unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, how we can be set free from sin through Jesus Christ. God sent his son as our sin offering so that the righteous requirements of the law could be fulfilled 
in those who walk according to the Spirit. We're going to start today in chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. I'd like for you to read along with me. For there now is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. What's Paul saying? Paul saying justification is by faith alone on the basis of God's grace. Condemnation is the opposite of justification. And therefore believers have been set free because, what, because of what Christ has done for us. We now can live a life of hope knowing that our circumstances do not Im impact our eternal security. And what you need to know right now is there's no sin that a believer can commit whether past, present, or future, that can be held against us because the penalty was paid by Jesus Christ. And, his, and thus, the righteousness has been imputed or made obsolete to the believer. And no sin will ever change that. God knew we were sinners. God knew what we were about. And yet, while he was being nailed across, he said, forgive them. They know not what they do. But since we've placed our faith and our hope in Christ, we do not face condemnation because the Holy Spirit enables us to overcome our sin nature. God's condemnation against sin was fully poured out on the sinless flesh of Christ. That's Isaiah 53, 4-8, also in Philippians 2-7. But every unbeliever is still under the condemnation until they come to Christ. Verses 5 through 8, if you will, read along with me, says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is a life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then... Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul's saying here, if we live in the flesh, we only want to satisfy our selfishness and we cannot please God. But if we live in the spirit, we can have life and peace. The Holy Spirit frees us from this sin and the spirit is able to write the law on our hearts and give us the power to obey it. Where would I find that? That's in Jeremiah 31, 33 and 34. What's being said here is if you live in the flesh, you go after what the flesh desires. But what Paul said I want to do and I do not do is I want to live for Christ, but yet my sin nature continues to keep me here. So think about that as we finish the rest of the chapter, rest of the verses 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, 
Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit of is life because of the high, because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What's great to know about this? At the moment we put our faith in Christ, God the Holy Spirit comes to indwell in us. He comes to live in us. And because we have that spirit living within us, we're able to live by the spirit and put to death the deeds of the body. We're not alone. The spirit living within us, thus we are guaranteed that God is with us always. We are to honor God by living in a way that is pleasing to him. But the Holy Spirit's presence living within us assures us of our resurrection. Since it is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he's able to raise us from the dead and give us eternal life. Today's lesson actually starts in verse 12. All that you've heard so far is actually just background. But today we're going to get into our eternal future. So let's read verses 12 and 13 and then let's take the Bible apart. You ready? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit, you're put to death. But if by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul's telling us here that our eternal future has been secured since the Spirit has been has put the deeds of the flesh to death, then we're set free. Paul states that living according to the flesh means our minds are on the things of the flesh, and thus that results in death. And we're all going to die. But what he's saying here is this death is, is an eternal death. This is the death and separation from Jesus Christ. What we also know is that if our mind is of the flesh, then we're in rebellion to God. This type of death and rebellion is opposite of a Christian, and therefore the death is spiritual and it's final. As believers, our obligation is to the Spirit of God within us. So, he says, to put to death the deeds of the body would mean we put away, to die to, those acts of the flesh that are done according to the flesh. But here's what I want you to also know. Do not be deceived. People who live according to the world have not been set free, and their end is death, and it is a final death. Unbelievers have a reason to fear, because they're under God's wrath. Verses 14 through 18 say this, For as many, are as, for as, many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the Spirit out of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that, uh, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Here Paul's talking about we can live with the assurance that we belong to God's family. John 14, 16 through 18 
says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Those who are led by God's Spirit are able to put to death the evil deeds of the body by the Spirit, not by us. Realize that we're not going to be able to do this, that it's by God and God alone and the Holy Spirit leading us. We should be encouraged that we're no longer slaves to the world, but we're, we're God's adopted children. The leading of the Spirit validates our adoption, and thankfully, we're not left to our own wisdom, but directed by the Spirit who shows us the way, thus casting out fear of ever returning slavery. I want to get it across to you again. We're, we are adopted sons and daughters of the great King, and as adopted children, we have the right to address God as Father. He says, Abba, Father. Other people would say, Daddy, or Papa. Our Father is the creator of everything. And we are his adopted children. And we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We'll not only see Christ's glory, but we're going to share in it. To be a co-heir with Christ, we must identify with Christ in the life he lived, specifically in suffering and in glory. The glory that we're going to see is costly. And suffering with Christ is not meaningless. But the present suffering we must endure pales in comparison to the glory yet to be revealed to us. While this suffering never seems light while it's going on, the glory that we will see is beyond our ability to comprehend. Verses 19 through 25 says this. For the greatest, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected, subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we are saved in this hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But what we hope for, we do not see. We eagerly await for it with perseverance. Creation was the victim of sinful choices of the first couple, Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, 17 through 19 tells us that. On the day God's sons will be revealed, creation will be liberated from decay. Everything that has been touched by human sin will be set free. Creation will be restored to more beauty, thus fully reflecting God's glory again. Hope is possible because God will set free creation itself. Our bodies are in the same decay as the rest of creation because of Adam and Eve's sin. 
We experience hardships and suffering as a result of bodies crippled by sin and relationships too often characterized by ego and pride. One day, our physical and emotional aches and pains will be no more. The problems of this world will pass away. Although we have been saved, given the Spirit as first fruits and adopted into God's family as beloved children, we still physically live in a fallen world, awaiting the full completion of our salvation when we will receive our glorified bodies and dwell in heaven with the Lord forever. We must suffer and we will have trials in this present life. But we must have patience as we wait the fulfillment of our salvation. Verses 25, I mean 26 and 27 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. As we suffer in our weakness, the Holy Spirit's interceding for us on our behalf. And because of this, the Father understands the Holy Spirit and agrees with what the Spirit thinks. Even when we don't know what to say or pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us to the will of God. Some people think suffering is incompatible with the idea of a good God. But the Bible indicates that we will suffer on this earth. But we don't face the suffering as the world does. Our eternity is set, and we've been set free from the slavery of sin. But our life on the on the sinful world remain. Our life on the on this sinful world remains. What we do with our life after we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we repent of our sins and make God the God of our life, is what gives us the peace that the Bible speaks of. So we must determine whether we follow Christ or this world. The choice is yours. You can accept God's gift of his son, or you can reject God's gift. But just remember, your decision is eternal, according to John 14, 23 and 24. I want to read Romans 8, 38 and 39. This helps us as we close today. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have a great week. Until next time, may God bless each and every one of you. And we love you.